Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersland, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you give us a call? Our number is 291 There you go. There you go. I'll get it in there. <laughs> <laughs> you can use the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225, and you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you will. We always appreciate hearing from folks all around town, all around the country, all around the world. That's Wherever it. you may be, you give us a call. We're going to try to... And right now is the perfect time to call. Well, that's right. It's always good to call at the beginning of the show because we've got all our lines open and minds aren't quite as scrambled. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a little little bit more high-quality answer there. There you go. We were talking last week. Of course, you were under the weather. Right. Elaine filled in for us, and we talked just a little bit about making appointments and all that. Some stuff, I guess not technically having to do with auto repair per se, but Mm, still a process. Yeah, ways of getting things done. Uh Uh-huh. So... Anyway, I thought that was real good. I had an email earlier this week that I thought was sort of interesting. And a young man had written and said, what do they do with the concept cars? Right. When you go to these car shows like Detroit Auto Show or whatever, they have these concept cars. And, you know, they used to look like the Batmobile. Oh, yeah. Way out type stuff. Way out stuff with all kinds of polycarbonate roofs on them and all that. and. So I did just a little bit of looking around, and it seems that, for the most part, they keep those cars. Right. They have a warehouse somewhere that they store those vehicles. Mm-hmm. Each manufacturer, and it's, it's, it's kind of a pain because they have to maintain and sure. store all these cars. And I'm sure they don't keep every single car forever, but they do keep them for a period of time. You know, I was watching a, a show kind of on that same deal, and mm-hmm. what they do is they take them and they bring them to this warehouse and they've got a inflatable bag. Mm-hmm. They back the car into it, okay. zip it up, and they inflate the bag hmm. with dry air. Yeah. So it keeps the humidity off the vehicles, which helps a lot. Okay. And then every so often they deflate the bag, take the car out, you know, go over it like you were saying. Right. And then when they're done with it, they put it, you know, prep it, put it back, and fill the bag back up hmm. with, with cool, dry air. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like they do with the aircraft. They take them out to the desert, I think, out in Arizona somewhere because it's dry, no humidity, and they they have a spray that they they, spray the aircraft down. It it forms like a rubberized coating. It just seals the whole thing. Right. And then when they need to get a part off of it or whatever, they just cut into it, go in there, get in there, get what they want, and just spray it back, repair the, Mm -hmm. the area. So, yeah, they have the luxury of being able to do this in climate-controlled buildings and right. all that. And, and, you know, you've seen what happens to a vehicle if you leave it out just out in the weather or even out under a carport in high humidity. Even in a garage, yeah. You know, they also have the luxury that these cars will probably never be put back into service. No. At most, they're going to drag it out for a commercial shoot or maybe, maybe take it around the block or something. Give it to a museum or bring it out to brag about some point in their Right. Yeah, look at what we built. <laughs> yeah, look at what we built one time. But when you have to store a car, right, it's kind of a different situation. And I thought we'd talk just okay. a little bit about that today because a lot of folks come across times when they have to store a car for one reason or another or, sure. or feel that they have to store a car. I know we had a phone call a while back, and young man was being deployed overseas, was going to be gone for two years. And his dad was calling and says, well, he's got this car that he really likes. He'd like to store it. And, of course, my first, I understand the emotions involved with a car and all that kind of stuff and how you get attached to them. But the best thing would be just sell the car. Sure. Just go ahead. Sell the car. When you get back, buy another one just like it. Right. 
because a car is just a mechanical device. It's not a human life. It's not a beloved pet or anything. It's, it doesn't care about you. Storing a car for two years is very, very, very difficult at best sure. under ideal conditions. And what happens when the car sits like that, even if you have the luxury of putting it in a climate-controlled garage, which would be wonderful, most people don't have that. Right. It usually ends up under a car port, maybe under a car cover. Mm-hmm. And at very most, it's going to sit in one spot you know, months at a time. Well, what happens is you have things like the shock absorbers, and there's a little piston that sits in a bore, mm-hmm. and they're dissimilar metals because the bore is going to be made out of steel. The piston ring is usually made out of iron of some sort. Those sit in one position and don't get moved. Now, when you're driving the car every day, the piston is moving up and down that cylinder. It's, it's lubricating the seal. all around a little bit. The seal's getting lubricated, so on and so forth. But when it sits in one spot, that little piston ring tends to etch into the bore. Yep. So now you got a little rough area in there. Now, when you start driving the car again, that piston's moving over that little rough area, Pretty takes soon. out the ring, the shock starts leaking, the seals get dry rotted, all the weight of that shaft is in one place on that seal because it's not moving around like it normally would. So things like that just tend to fail in time. Now, right. other than that, you have things like the transmission, which has literally dozens, if not hundreds, of moving parts clutches steels that go between the clutches all that stuff is designed to turn in oil and be lubricated and move Mm -hmm. when you quit driving the car it's sitting in one position and the oil will inevitably drip drip down down and fill the the pan and fill up from the bottom Mm -hmm. so that it's no longer being distributed around on on all the parts like it's supposed to now, corrosion starts to take in because moisture is going to leak in. It's going sure. to get in there. Well, it's, it's vented to the atmosphere. It is. Well, anything, like we've said many times, anything on a car that turns has to be has to be lubricated. If it's lubricated, it's probably lubricated with petroleum of some sort. So and it has to be vented. When you churn petroleum around, you're going to produce pressure, so it has to be vented. Almost everything on the car is going to be vented if it's lubricated. Right. And what happens, all these components sit there, and they're sitting in one spot. They're not ever designed to do that. All the shafts and everything that go through this transmission have weight. It's, it's heavy. There's a seal that seals them where they enter and exit the transmission case. Well, that shaft with all that weight is sitting in one spot on that seal, pressing down on it. So it's going to stretch that seal out in that one spot. And the seal is going to dry out because it's not getting lubricated. So it starts to shrink back. and get The hole gets technically bigger sure. because the seal itself is shrinking. And so as soon as you do start driving it, you start putting pressure on all this stuff, and you got leaks everywhere in there. I mean, this just goes on and on and on throughout the car. The wheel bearings is another problem because the ball is sitting in the race in on one, one spot. spot with the weight of the car on it. It's not rolling around. It's going to eventually peck up or pit up that race. And you know, when you start to use the car, next thing you know, your wheel bearings start to go out. Right. All the rubber and rubber well, components start to dry rot. The seal in the pinion shaft mm-hmm. from the differential. It will eventually, like you were saying earlier, it'll either do that or it will stick to the pinion. It may and if it kind does, of fuse itself to the pinion. Right. If it does, the first time it turns, it's going to rip the seal. Mm-hmm. There's a leak. Yep. It's just there's hardly any way to properly store a car for long periods of time and if you're in a situation where you just have to do it there are some things you can do that will make it better sure and i thought we would go ahead get first little break out of the way we'll talk about that when we come right back if you 
So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> but you, Denise, you're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersand, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. We're talking a little bit about storing a vehicle mm-hmm. today. But, of course, as always, you're well, never limited to whatever we're discussing. You have a question about something else, oil or brakes or Automotive related, we'll we'll answer That's for you. That's right, ignition time and whatever your problem may be, you give us a call. We'll be glad to kind of discuss that. And sometimes, I guess you are just forced to store a car, right? And you know, we're not talking about over a weekend, obviously, or, or even just maybe a couple of weeks, which you can usually get by with. But when you have to store a car for months, sure, uh, three months or longer, you're generally going to start to get into problems. And the longer it goes, the, the more severe the problems are going to be. Best thing, like we talked about earlier, if you've got access to a garage, and preferably a climate control garage would be sure. even better, but if not, at least a garage where you can get the car out of the weather. It's out of the rain. It's out of the high, high humidity. Right. Out of the direct sun and all that sort of thing. If you ever saw a car that sits out in the sun, I mean, it's very easy for that temperature inside to get up to 130, 140 oh, degrees. Oh, easy. Easy. And that kind of temperature... the interior of the car is just not designed to deal with that right it starts breaking the materials down whether it be plastic cloth you know the painted surfaces vinyl. all that's gonna start fading yeah all, all the vinyl and all will crack up on it and what have you but if you can get the car into a garage that's going to be uh, probably one of the best things you can do sure now beyond that you want to try to isolate like the engine and the exhaust system and all that stuff I find a wad of tin foil stuck into the tailpipe mm-hmm. is works pretty well because if you leave the tailpipe open, you've got a big long pipe that leads inevitably up to the engine. Sure, if it has a catalytic converter, there's kind of a barricade in there somewhere, but you don't want moisture getting in there and rusting out the exhaust system. You don't want rodents getting into the exhaust system. Right any of the things that might get in there. So if you can take just a wad of tinfoil and stuff it into the tailpipe, that blocks off one of the means of access. And it, it's relatively easy to get out. It is. You just you, it's reach like, in there with you, a pair of you pliers. You don't shove or, it way up in there, obviously. Right. A pair of pliers, grab it, pull it out. And it's not going to hurt anything. And should you may happen to get the vehicle started with it in there, it's just going to blow it out. Probably going to build a little bit of pressure and blow it out anyway. Right. Another good thing, if the car is going to be sitting for a long period of time, is to maybe jack it up and put it on jack stands. And it doesn't have to be all the way up in the air, but at least get the tires off the ground where you're not getting flat spots in your tires. Sure. Just put four jack stands, have the car raised slightly, 
That's also taking load off the wheel bearings and all that. Now, obviously, the shock absorbers all will still be loaded because... Right, because it's going to be sitting in one place. Right. Whether it be jacked up, you know, lifted in the air or not. Or sitting on the tires. I mean, unless you can levitate the car, <laughs> you're not going to get around that. But that's another thing that can help somewhat with it. Another thing, as far as the engine, is you want to go ahead and change the oil before you put the car in store. So you've got clean oil in the engine. Mm-hmm. And if you... And I, I got to say this kind of cautiously, but if you are the kind of person who will know or put you a note in the car, you might want to even dump some extra oil into it. Maybe right. go ahead and overfill the crankcase where the oil comes up and it's coating some things. That may cause some leaks, but it can also lubricate a lot of things if the car is not going to be run. Right, because it, it most vehicles you know hold anywhere between five and eight quarts. Right, and if the if the engine is not running all that oil is going to leak back down to, to, the, pan. to the pan like it's supposed to mm-hmm. that is exactly what it's supposed to do and if you don't crank the car the parts that it lubricates when it's running mm-hmm. don't get lubricated right so if you tend to fill it up a little more than it needs you kind of lubricate the crankshaft the rod ends the main bearings you know if you get enough oil in it you can right. keep oil covering those parts those and crucial parts of course this is presupposed you're not going to be starting the car correct now if you start it you're going to have to drain you, the oil out right and put the correct amount in it or just put the right amount of oil in there and and just if, if you can run the car every so often that's probably even better oh it's much better if you would run it every so often but what happens if you just go in and crank the car up and let it sit there and idle? You're doing basically almost no good at all and possibly even more harm than you do just leaving it alone because an engine at idle is not going to be very efficient, for mm-hmm. one thing. You're not turning the alternator fast enough to really charge the battery, and it's probably not getting to a temperature where it's really going to do a whole lot of good. I mean, if you want to run the car, then you need to make sure that the exhaust is vented out because right. you don't want to asphyxiate yourself inside the thing get in there and if the car is jacked up you can go ahead run it up and bring the rpm up to maybe around 1500 just by putting your foot on accelerator sure and vary it slightly don't just sit there at one speed for for hours but let it run for maybe a half an hour varying maybe between 12 and 1500 rpm now you're probably doing some good at least the alternator's turning fast enough to charge the engine is kind of getting lubricated you could even shift it through the gears right. if you want it. You have to be a little careful because you remember if the wheels are up in the air and you shift into drive, okay, the wheels are going to start to turn. And as they turn faster, the transmission will shift just mm-hmm. like it's supposed to. But when you get through, if you just jam it into park, you may have a big, big, big problem because those wheels are still spinning. Right. It's not like it's being on the ground. It's not like it's sitting on the ground. Right. So when you do get ready to come to a stop, you want to apply the brakes, make sure the wheels have stopped before you put it into or park. You can also just reach over and turn the engine off. You could do that. Let the whole vehicle settle down and and stop moving. Mm -hmm. Then you can shift into park. Right. But I've seen people do that. They don't realize that maybe the wheels are, are still turning, and they mm-hmm. jam it in the park. And right, the park pole starts jumping yeah. around inside the transmission. Digs in who knows what else. Now, again, some other things you can do if the car is going to be sitting for a long period of time, you might want to remove the spark plugs and pour some oil, some light penetrating type oil down through the spark plug holes, get it into the cylinders. Now, if you're going to do that, then you're not going to be able to run the car as much. But this is for kind of long-term storage. Mm-hmm. Not a bad idea to come along every so often and repeat that process. Right, but just expect that it's going to smoke when you crank it up. Yeah. Because that oil is in the combustion chamber. It's got to be burnt out. Mm-hmm. So it's going to smoke for a while when you do get ready to put the car back in. It's service. Service, and yeah. 
of course, I think, like with anything else, you have to be judicious about this. If you dump half a quart of oil into the cylinders, that's going into the catalytic converter whenever it leaves that cylinder. So sure. you can cause more problems than you solve. But just you, a little squirt of oil just a little there, bit. just to keep it lubricated, crank it over a little bit to, to right. s- distribute that oil. And it wouldn't be a bad idea, maybe every six months to a year, to go back and repeat that just to keep the engine lubricated yeah, limbered up. Of course, if you have the ability to go in, like we talked about just before, and run the engine, that's even better. Right. You should be doing that every, at least every month. Yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to at, run at it for a half hour to 45 minutes once a month. Right. And more than that would be would be even better. Well, and, and taking the car out of storage and driving it would be... That would be the ideal thing. Ultimately put it, better. Just put it into service with your daily driver. Mm-hmm. You know, drive one one day, drive one the next day, or drive one every other day. Just keep it in service every, you know, drive it a couple times a week. That would be the ideal, but we're talking about, for whatever reasons, people who can't do that, correct, have to store the car. Correct. There are, these are things that you can do to kind of make the situation better. better. Now, when the car is sitting, let's say, for years, okay, you got to remember, at least once a year, that all needs to be changed. Sure. Even though zero miles have gone by. It has absorbed a lot of moisture. It's soaked up that moisture and all of that. The same thing with any time-related item. You're not putting any miles, but time is passing. Mm -hmm. So things like belts, things like hoses, the coolant are all going to still age just like they were or maybe worse. If you were driving it. Than if it were in service. Right. So you have to remember, you have to change your maintenance schedule because we're so used to typically watching the miles miles on a car. Now, you're putting zero miles, but the car is sitting at least every three years, you need to drain the coolant out of it and replace the coolant with fresh coolant. And that's going to be very difficult if the car is not running. Right. Things like the battery are going to go bad. They're sure. Gonna, uh, that's just a given. It, the battery is going to go bad. Yeah, you're going to have to replace the battery before you're able to put it into service, maybe before you can get it to start. Right. And uh, brake fluid. Brake fluid is going to contaminate sure. from sitting. Uh, on and on and on things go. Remember, too, if you have a car with a timing belt, that seven-year period will still apply, even though the car is not being driven. Driven. Let's say you store a car, you put a brand-new time belt on, you store it for seven years. Well, before you can drive it, you got to change the time belt again. Exactly, because that belt has deteriorated, and seven years is the extent extent of the belt's life. Well, same thing. And, you know, the thing like with tires, you would have four tires. Let's say you have good tires on the car. Well, they may still look like brand new. Sure. And what I hear a lot is, well, they've been inside, so they're not exposed, to, but they still are old, they right. age. And some people say that a tire in storage is going to age even worse than a tire that's in service. Because when they design a tire, they have things like anti-ozonates that they put into the rubber that sort of secrete out when you roll. Mm-hmm. And that's why tires tend to turn brown. They right. get that brown look that people don't like, and you wash it off, or they take some kind of a protectorate and clean it, it off to try to make them black again. That's the anti-ozonates. And while it is unattractive, it is protecting the tire. Right. But a tire that is six years old is probably not going to be safe. So before you can return this car to service, be sure you check the age on those tires. Exactly. And we, we haven't spoken anything about the fuel system yet. That is almost an impossibility to do much with. You can put... Uh, like the stay bill right. and the fuel protectorants in there, but those are generally going to 
at most extend that fuel out about six months if they're done properly. Correct. Now, the thing is, those have to be added to fresh fuel before it's stored. Right. Not not fresh not fuel that is in the tank already. It can't regenerate old fuel. If you could find some non-ethanol fuel, right, that would be better. Some people even suggest just drain the fuel system. Mm-hmm. Now the problems are if you leave fuel in the fuel system it's going to start going through phase separation it's got moisture in it's going to start attacking the metal in the system and all that but if you drain all the fuel out now all the seals the fuel pump and all that are sitting dry right and so the seals and those are going to shrink up so you're going to definitely have some fuel system issues if you store the car for a long period of time just depends on what how what kind of problems you you're going to anticipate when you get ready to put it back in service. Mm-hmm. But if you could find some non-ethanol type fuel, that would certainly be better. There are there are stations out there that claim to have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really done any verification of that, but and there's then several that, stations here in town. Claiming even it. non-ethanol fuel, regular old gasoline, the way right. we used to say, it, it's still going to separate. It's still going to eventually go bad. Right. So it's not a bad idea if you're going to fill the car up. Maybe if you can't run it enough to run a tank full out every three months or so, mm-hmm. you might want to go in, siphon it out, and burn it up in something else sure. and put some fresh fuel back in the car, just keeping fresh fuel in the tank. And, again, this is going to depend on what year model car you have. If right. you've got a fairly new car, it's probably going to have a nylon tank. It's not going to be as susceptible to problems. But, but if you've got like also, an old, old classic cars. Right. There's also no drain on that polymer tank. Right. Now, like you were saying, the classic cars, uh, a lot of them had a uh, separate drain on the right. tank itself. So you could theoretically open the drain, drain the fuel out, take that fuel, put it in your lawnmower, put it in your service vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, your daily driver, use it up, right? put the plug back in and put some fresh fuel back in that well, kind of tank. You don't want to dump some old fuel into your car, but what you could do is go and get maybe a half tank of fresh fuel, then come back and add maybe a quarter tank of this fuel so that at least you had a good mix of sure. the older fuel with the newer fuel, and you could probably burn it out and get rid of it that way. Right. Because you don't have to pay to dispose of all this gasoline. And, you know, this is just kind of the, I guess, the surface of the problems that you can encounter. And that's why we say, you know, if any way possible to not store the car, if you can let a family member drive the car every day, that's going to be better. If you have to, just sell the car, right. and when you come back, buy another one, you're going to be way better off. Sure. We hadn't even spoken about rodent damage yet. I well, mean, that's, that's right. You start having anything parked, yep. the rodents are going to find the it. little rodents are going to find it and start chewing on it. We're going to talk about that and a lot more when we get back. Take a quick little break. Be right back with a whole lot more. You must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll 
check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! That little bitch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We were talking a little bit about storing a car right. Saturday. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, of course, we'll take a, to- a call on any topic you may have. You're not limited to that. Just whatever you may have on your mind. Sure. You brought up a very good point, and that is rodents, and be they squirrels, mice, whatever. Right. They love to find a secure, warm place to kind of hide out. And the word rodent comes from the Latin rodare, which means to gnaw. Sure. And there's a good reason they're called that. They gnaw. They, they have to. Yeah, they have to. Their teeth. In fact, so we, there's an article on the website. If you go in and just type in the word rodent, it'll bring up a detailed article on this topic. Yeah, if they don't chew constantly, no, they won't be able to wear their teeth off, and the teeth will grow to the point they can't open their mouth anymore, can't close their mouth, I guess. Exactly. The top two teeth grow into the bottom gums, and the, the bottom teeth grow into the top gums. Right. And they can't chew anymore. Right. They have to wear them off, and that's what keeps them razor sharp. They right. have a enamel on the front, which is very, very hard, and a dentin on the back, which is not as hard. So when they wear, the dentin wears away and forms like a razor edge, and that keeps their teeth nice and sharp. Just kind of a little evolutionary uh, <laughs> development. Yeah. They got a good little thing going there. But when they are in a car, they love to chew on stuff. Sure. And anything is anything is fair uh, game. Yes, <laughs> Particularly wires. Right. They, For some reason, they seem to love copper wire. The coating around the wire. I'm not sure exactly know, what it is. Chewing on the the vinyl, or I, the copper, or whatever. And you know when they when they do it, they always seem to get right up next to a connector. Yeah, and, and <laughs> right where you can't it. fix it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, we had a lady a while back who had a little 350Z uh-huh. that she loved, but she didn't drive, and the car sat under her carport. Rodents got in. When she finally decided to start, she got in, crank, 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 wouldn't start. So sure. Toes it into the shop and. No pulse to any of the injectors, no fire to any of the calls. Pull the intake manifold off, and there's a harness in there about as big as my arm, and they had chewed completely through this harness. Right. I mean, close to 150 wires. You know, you could probably replace the harness, but this particular one would have required an entire engine harness, which I want to say was about a $2,500 part Mm -hmm. from Nissan, and probably about 15 to 20 hours labor to replace sure. it because the engine practically has to come out the car to change this thing so instead we elected to repair it and it probably ate up a good eight to ten hours repair oh, time. Easy. it was a big 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 deal we're able to get it repaired get it going and she takes the car it sits for about another three months and she calls back well it's doing the same thing well no it's not doing the same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah she has it towed back over and, and another group of wires had right. been eaten up and like i told her i said you know, you're going to either have to start using the car or try to get rid of the rodents. Yeah. And, you know, how trying to get rid of rodents is. Well, and she lives out in the country kind of area, a lot of trees around. Sure. So you got a lot of squirrels and you got a lot of that. If you have pets outside and you put in pet food, that brings them in even more. Right. If you live in an apartment complex where there's a dumpster, man, that, yeah. <laughs> they are attracted That's by that. And they come for the food, but they stay for the good digs you know, yeah they, they, they can they can hang out in here they get a lot of little places they can hide where predators can't get to them 
And if nothing else, get a cat. Yeah. <laughs> get you a bad feral cat there to hang out around your car. But you can also, I've tried taking like mothballs. Right. Put them in a sock or something them. to contain them. Throw them up under the hood of the car because they don't like that smell. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll kind of keep them out. There are some devices, some ultrasonic devices that they claim work. I have not used them myself. I haven't either. I've, I've been around some and... I don't know that they work or not, but they tend to produce humans, very high yeah, frequency. Humans uh, are able to, to actually hear it if you get close enough to it. Yeah, but they it's supposedly they have a higher pitched hearing, and it kind of drives them crazy. They don't like yeah, that. Yeah, it runs them off. Kind of like uh, kind of like playing classical music outside of Seven Eleven to keep kids from hanging out <laughs> in the parking lot. Hey, if it works, you know, <laughs> works just the same way. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> The point is, if you allow them to get in, they're going to get, and they're going to start chewing all the wires and stuff under the hood. In some cases, they can even go up through the air intake, chew a hole through the cabin filter, go through the, if, if it's on recirculate or fresh air, get inside the car. Right. And that's even a much worse situation. Or maybe chew through some of the grommets where the wires come through the firewall. Yeah. They can still end up inside the vehicle. They can get in if they have enough time and they're determined enough. And if they sit there and start gnawing on those leather seats. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, what happens with anything, you drive the car and your legs are on that seat and a certain amount of perspiration may soak into the leather, so it's salty. Mm-hmm. And all animals, critters, I guess, are looking for a source of salt because for human beings, it's not really a problem getting a, the, the necessary right. amount. And, you know, it's, it's a necessary nutrient, and it's not hard for us to get. It was get a box of salt and sprinkle on our food. But for rodents and such, it's much, much more difficult. So yes. they're always looking for that salt. And... They'll chew up a set of seats. Oh, in a heartbeat. Really, really almost total the vehicle. Because if you ever price leather seats, leather yeah. seats. <laughs> they're extremely expensive. Yeah, and I mean, they can eat the foam rubber. They can eat the wiring. Well, sure, they're not just after the, the leather part itself. They, mm-hmm. they actually go into the seat. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, they eat the cushion out, which has to be replaced. Or if they get down into the, the airbag sections of the seats and things, they can chew the wires up to those. And I don't know if you've priced uh, airbag li- airbags lately, but... They are obscenely expensive. Well, and there's just so many of them on a modern car. It's not like in the old days where you just had an airbag and a steering column. Right. I mean, later on, they started putting one over on the passenger side. But now, I mean, they... They're in everything. Yeah, I mean... They're, they're in the they're seat belts. In the A-pillars. The B-pillars. The, the, the curtain. they got curtain bags now. They have the two in the front, sometimes two in the bottom for the knees. Um, the cars are loaded with them now. Oh, yeah. A lady that I know uh, very well in New Orleans, a good friend of mine, was hit. She has a little Cadillac, a little SUV. Mm-hmm. Somebody ran a stop sign and nails it aside. Okay. And it deployed every one of the bags. Wow. And... I guess when you get a frontal impact, they can judge that better, and it sure. kind of judges which bags to deploy. But apparently with a side impact, or at least on this particular vehicle, it deployed everything. They all wow. came out. And she said first thing when she realized what happened, there's like a cloud of smoke in the car. Sure. And that's all that cornstarch that they put in the bags to, to keep, keep them folding, sticking to together. Sticking. And she almost panicked. says, I couldn't see anything. I was completely right covered by, <laughs> right. by all these bags. And, of course, once you get through all that shock and dismay and what have you, then they're probably going to end up totaling the car just because of the price for replacing all these airbags. And, you know, the even the seat belts, you have the pretensions in there. It left a big old bruise across her shoulder sure. where that seat belt snatched her back into the car. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, not really get off topic, but what they'll do, the seat belt, uh, lap belt particularly, is kind of an irritant. So they'll pull it loose from the retractor and kind of wear it in a loose fashion Uh now the problem is if that bag if that lap belt is not tight against you when it's loose like that 
first off, you're going to move forward, and it's going to grab, and it's going to jerk back and take that slack up. So you're going to get a much worse. And then you're going to get have the airbag coming at you from the other way. Right. When that belt slams you back into the seat, right. which it will do. It will bruise you. Uh, it's probably going to bruise you up and have some sore. <laughs> well, of course, the alternative would be. Smash your face on the steering wheel. Exactly. Or, 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 on windshield glass or something like yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. So I guess in an effort to try to make the car safer, they've done a pretty good job of it. But unfortunately, there's an awful lot of technology there in is. there. There is extremely amount. Now, again, when we're talking about technology and all these expensive components that every car has in it, the threat of rodent damage is much, much worse. If you had a 1955 Chevrolet, wasn't a whole lot of damage they were going to do. And there was a whole wiring harness there. It might have been big around as... Quarter inch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that was the whole harness in the car, you know. But today, you're talking about one as big as your wrist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And just the modules and stuff with the, oh, the GPS and the dash and the... Sure. Oh, well, just all the different modules. Right. All this active cruise control, the radar modules and stuff like that, control the cruise and the lane departure and all that. Almost all of that is outside of the car right. it's in the bumpers it's in you know here there and yonder and they have rodents being they have access to all of that right they can easily get in there and start chewing that up and do some inordinate damage really really quick let's go to our phone lines john good morning john hi it's john from toronto calling how are you fellas? i'm doing, doing great, great john how about sell good thank my daughter has the acadia that and her alternate went a couple of days ago mm-hmm. and uh, like all the lights came on and we had it towed and they put a new alternator in. The next day, it went again. Now, they didn't replace the battery. They said they tried to save it. Would that be the problem, that they should have had a new battery, probably? It is possible, John. You know, if the battery is any age at all, like let's say more than a year and a half old, the odds of it really coming back are pretty slim. Once they go dead, they just don't come back as much. And it's also possible you could have had a shorted battery or a sulfated battery, which caused the failure to start with. Right. Just don't know that for sure. But at very least, I would replace that battery just out of a abundance of caution. I mean, it's also technically possible you got a defective alternator. I mean, all alternators are rebuilt. Even if you buy it from the GM dealer, it's going to be a remanufactured alternator. And sometimes, like anything new or remanufactured, you can just get a defective one. It may just be a bad one. But I would certainly check those things. And... You might just do like a little scan of the whole vehicle, make sure you don't have anything else going on, like a shark somewhere in the system that's killing the alternator. Yeah, you know, I I got a new mechanic here that I've been looking for a while, I think I told you, Mm -hmm. and he's approved to work on Teslas, so I'm hoping that he knows the electrical quite well. You would think so. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, the thing is, he is a really good guy. He loaned her a car and got a new one in the next day, but he said, I'm going to have to put a battery in this time because they won't cover it a second time. Yeah. I would definitely do that because it could be the old battery was maybe the cause of the original failure you know a sulfated yeah. battery or a shorted battery can knock an alternator out so yeah one other question sure. how's puppy do how's puppy doing oh she's still doing fine john almost 16 years old but still kicking and going <laughs> yeah I, I, christy always asked me to check to make sure that everything's good with her oh yeah we just got her at the vet not too long ago he said man a little heart is strong as a bell and lungs are nice and clear so yep well, that's, that's wonderful well, thanks, fellas. Always nice to talk to you. Hi, John. Thanks for calling, man. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, take our final quick little break. Be right back with more in the Automotive Hour. Time. 
Ryback and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hevoted Supervillain, Arch Nemesis of Good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, Twin Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just go and give us a call, 291-6901. And we still have a few minutes to few get minutes. your questions answered. That's right. You were talking about storing cars right. and some of the things that can happen. And if you store the car outside, it is certainly better to cover it. Sure. Because bird droppings can be very acidic right. depending on what they eat. Right. Uh, and that can really damage the paint. Well, and I've seen them fly in and try to land on the vehicle. Right. And they, they do have claws. Right. And they're going to scratch that the paint up. Right. Cats. Oh, can, cats the worst. Yeah, they get about of being on a vehicle, scratching, clawing one thing or another. If the car is inside of an enclosure, that's great. If not, a cover, a car cover of some sort, even inside an enclosure, a cover would be not a bad dust. idea at all. Yeah, and dust is going to settle on the car, and of course, dust is very abrasive. Right. So if you, it's always tempting to reach to over with a rag it. and yeah. wipe it off, and that's the worst possible thing you can do. It is. It digs that dirt and dust right it down into that paint. It scratches right on into your paint. A really good idea before you store the car is to go ahead and wash it right. early, properly. In fact, do a complete detail. Get any food or anything that might have been in the car out. Get it nice and clean. And even if, even if you've got to take the seats loose and right. roll the seats back where you can get down in between the console and the the side of the seat in that tunnel compartment mm-hmm. that collects right there, you would be surprised at the stuff that ends up down there. Well, in, in any kind of food in there, it not, not only the rodents, but you'll get insects. Sure. You can get in a car. If it sits long enough, ants will figure out a way to get in there. Yep. And now you got another whole problem to, to deal with. So, yeah, you want to have the car very, very clean before you store it. And, yes, yeah, a good idea with anything you store. I know uh, I'm taking some of my fall and winter clothes out of storage because – Living in New Orleans in the French Quarter, I have a fairly small place. I can't all of my clothes there, so I bring my spring, summer clothes. Then in the fall, I start rotating them out. But when you store your clothes, it's the same thing. You want them clean because sure. you don't want a moth to be attracted by food on the clothes. Brush them down, maybe have them dry clean. Put them in a bag with some cedar chips to prevent damage to your clothing. Same thing with your car. Right. And probably not a bad idea to get some cedar chips and put in the car. Sure. That might help any malls or anything that might get in there. If you have cloth interior, even leather interior, yeah, right. you know, they can. There is some cloth in right. the headliner, you know. I've seen moths get in headliners and eat big old holes in them. Oh, absolutely. I had a camel hair coat one time. I stored it for a year. and I it was only put a camel it skin? Oh, look, it looked like, it looked like somebody shot with a shotgun. <laughs> I mean, there's holes ah. in this thing. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. 
So I learned a very important lesson. Very valuable lesson. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, when I'm through with the season and I'm not going to wear this jacket anymore, I bring it to the dry clean, have it clean, and put it in a bag. It sure. zips up, and I put cedar chips inside the bag with it just to protect it. Mm-hmm. But same thing with the car. A clean car with a good coat of wax on it right. is going to fare a whole lot better. Than one that is just parked from daily use. Right. And even if you have a cover on it, you know, I used to have a little convertible sports car that I absolutely loved, and I had a custom cover. Mm-hmm. But... The dust will go through that cover. When you pull the cover off, you're going to notice a bunch of dust on your car. It right. will get through there. Depending on the cover you have, mm-hmm. there's different grades of covers that you should check into before you buy one. Right, and you want a cover that can breathe to the extent that it doesn't let the car mildew. If you get like a vinyl cover, right. it then may you're going to collect moisture. Out. You get moisture, it may sweat, particularly if you're in South Louisiana. So you have to have a cover that can breathe, but... The point is, when this dust is on the car, what you need to do is to wash that gently off with a very, very soft either sponge or cloth or whatever, Mm -hmm. water and soap. Don't start rubbing dry because you will end up with a million little tiny circles and scratches and what have you in the car. You'll see almost every one of those strokes you made wiping Mm -hmm. it. Oh, absolutely. Now, when the storage period ends and you're ready to put the car back into service, if you're very, very, very handy, you may be able to pull that off by yourself. Sure. Some people are going to need to tow this car to a shop to have it done, to mm-hmm. have the put back in service. First thing, if it's been stored for a long period of time, we need to start changing fluids out. Exactly. Change the oil in it. Maybe change the transmission fluid in it. Rear differential fluid, transfer case fluid. Brake fluid. Uh, brake fluid, for sure. Coolant. All these coolant, all these things need to be replaced. It's going to, well, almost inevitably going to need a new battery. In oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so, pretty much a given. Even to get it crank over. Not a bad idea to disable the ignition on the car mm-hmm. and take the plugs out, crank it over, clear out anything that's in the cylinders. Say, like we spoke earlier, mm-hmm. if you put some light penetrating oil in them, right. try to blow that stuff out. Get all that out of it so it doesn't go through your catalytic converter. Crank the car over long enough to build the oil pressure up. In other words, that lets the oil go up to all the different passageways and all exactly. before you try to start the car. Of course, and you, you should see that on a gauge. Right. You should see the, oil, the arm on the gauge come up as the oil pressure builds. Right, as it's cranking. And it's much, much easier on the car if you have the spark plugs out when you do that. Sure, there's no load. Because sitting there just crank, 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 you are getting the starter very, very, very hot. Right. Because it's not designed. Your duty cycle on starter is pretty short. Generally, you hit the switch and it starts. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to sit there and just crank, 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 crank. Now, with the plugs out, it can spin over very, very freely. So you're clearing the cylinders out. You're building oil pressure. You're doing a lot of stuff. Of course, this presupposes that you change the oil before you start. Well, you got fresh oil that you're sucking up in it. You don't right. want to suck the dirty old contaminated oil up and distribute it around the engine. Now, once you've got all that done, then you want to go ahead and put your plugs back in. might not even be a bad idea to go ahead and put a new set of plugs if they're close to do anyway. you got them out. Right. I mean, what's another set of plugs and you know if you've got a engine that you can access the plugs easily like a four-cylinder engine some v8 engines are fairly easy to get to the plugs but other engines it's, it's a real a nightmare bad. you have to yeah. pull an intake manifold off many engines today nowadays yeah the, the newer cars to access those spark plugs so that's going to be a bit of an issue if you can go to that much trouble you might want to just go ahead and put a new set of plugs in some plugs are fairly expensive i know like honda plugs might be 21 22 a piece for the ngk iridium plugs right but still, that's fairly cheap compared to all the labor of having to tear all the stuff down. You put it all back together, and you happen to have a misfire because of one of the plugs. Maybe it got damaged taking it out or whatever. Mm-hmm. So not a bad idea to put a fresh set of plugs in it. You'll probably need to drain out the fuel. 
Yes. That's in it. And put would. fresh fuel back in it. And even that. As a basic, just a basic place to start. Getting it running again. You know, it's uh, not that easy to do because you don't have a drain plug in your polymer tanks. And even pushing a siphon down the neck of the tube is usually pretty difficult. A lot of them you can't. Yeah, they, a lot of them have a, a things in there screen to, in there to stop you from doing that. That are baffles, baffles that overlap each other to where it's just trying to keep you from stealing fuel. Sure. But it can make it very difficult to drain that tank. So in some cases, you may have to drop the fuel tank out of the vehicle. To, to get drain the fuel it, out. To, yeah, get it out. But as labor-intensive as that is and as big a pain as that is, it's a whole lot better than pumping a bunch of contaminated fuel into your fuel injectors. Exactly. Because now you may be tearing the engine down and change fuel injectors if you start plugging up those little screens and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you got fresh oil, fresh fluids in the car, a good fresh battery, fresh fuel in the car. Now, you're going to have to crank the car to start it, but kind of like we touched on before, if it doesn't start right away, don't just sit there and continue to crank. Right, crank a little while, let off, let it sit for a few minutes, let it start to cool down. Let it cool back down. And then crank it over some more, turn it back off, let it start to cool back down, and eventually the fuel is going to get up to the engine and it will start, or should start. Should start. What you can do alternatively, and I would recommend, is to just turn the key to on. Okay. Don't go all the way to start. Wait two or three seconds, turn it off. Wait 10 seconds. 10 seconds, because some of them will time out. Repeat. Do that a number of times before you try to start it, because each time you cycle the ignition like that, the fuel pump will run for a few seconds, which primes the fuel lines, primes the fuel rail. On today's modern cars. On modern cars. Now, it's going to take a while for that fuel to pump all the way up to the front, but if you just turn the key on and leave it on, it's not the pump won't continue to run. No, it's going to run two or three seconds, and it's going to turn off because it doesn't see oil pressure. When it doesn't see oil pressure, it doesn't see a crank signal, it knows the car hasn't started so it's going to shut the fuel pump down to keep from flooding the engine or right. keep from having a fire hazard or something like that. So just cycle the key, wait a few seconds, turn it off, wait several seconds, do it again. Do that four or five times. That will prime the fuel system to where you won't have to crank the car as nearly as long when you do get ready to start it. Now, one thing that does absolutely no good on a modern car, and that is to pump the gas pedal. Right. All you're doing is opening and closing a valve. At and most, and on modern cars. You're not even doing that. You're not even doing that. You're just working a sensor on the gas oh, pedal. Right. And The computer's laughing at you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to do anything at all. There is no accelerator pump or like the old cars. Like you, every time had. you would pump the pedal, what you do is you squirt some gas in the engine so it could make it start. Sure, that was the old carburetor days. Right. That does not exist. Right. Fuel injection came along. All you're doing is opening and closing an air chamber. Yeah, if that. And like I said, on a modern car, you're just working a sensor on the That's it. On the accelerator pedal. And I'm not sure it's even opening the throttle body. I don't believe it is. Because if you just pump and it sees the motor's not running, I don't it's know, not, it may just totally ignore it. So most hey, likely. Somebody's in there pumping on the pedal, just ignore that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, once you get the car to start, again, kind of like we talked about before, you don't want to let it sit there and just idle. You right. want to bring it up to maybe twelve to 1,500 RPM and let it sit there and run at that speed for a while. Let the engine kind of warm up. Then go ahead and shift it into your gears. And it doesn't hurt with your foot on the brake. Go ahead and drop it all the way down to the low gear. Mm-hmm. Come up second gear. Come up third gear. Go over to neutral. 
go to reverse, let it sit for a little while because that fluid is circulating through the transmission right. at each one of these intervals, and that's lubricating transmission before you get moving. Perfect. I see we're just about totally out of time. I'm going to start winding on up and getting on out of here. I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service. Find a written review and fill it out for us. Hey, yo, we sure appreciate when you fill out a written review because what that does, it moves us up in the rankings for the site. And so if someone goes in and just types in a generic term like auto repair, we'll come we're close to the top. So more people are likely to click on us. More people click on us. The longer we can do the show. There you go. <laughs> A preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.